it's fine for 2017. It, that's what we need. But in a couple of years, we weren't going to be able to say, let's go to this Mexican restaurant, not even call it vegan. Weird it's going to be when you have meat in a restaurant, you know? Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. My name is Jerry Saver, and in this podcast, we discover the many different ways that you can run a successful plant-based business, the skills needed, and the personal experience of the people who are out there doing this and creating a plant-based future for everyone. So you're probably going to notice that this episode sounds a bit different. That's because we're recording it on location, but before I tell you where, I have a really big announcement to share. If you're getting this episode fresh the same day that we publish it, it is July 12th, and that means that registration has just opened for Vegan Business Week, which is what we're calling the Vegan Business Summit now. So in two months, on September 12th, we'll be starting with an online virtual conference dedicated to all forms of plant-based business that will run for seven days, and we'll be finishing off with a live one-day event put on by our friends and partners from Vivolution in London. So this is the first ever event of this kind, and in the seven days that it's going to run, you'll be able to watch interviews with the leading experts and business owners from all across the plant-based industry. We're going to be kicking it off with a look of how far we've come and what the future has in store. We'll talk about branding and marketing vegan brands, the many different aspects of the food industry, about the connection between science and plant-based business and healthcare. We'll cover fashion and new ethically made cruelty-free materials. We'll dedicate a whole day to the really exciting field of plant-based startups and investments. And we'll also be covering the social media and personality brand aspect of the industry for everyone who wants to know how to get their message out and change people's lives with it. So we've just opened registration for this event, and the best part is it's completely free. If you just go to plantbasedbusinessweek.com and register, you'll be able to watch all of our interviews as we release them in September. So no need to travel anywhere, no need to book hotel rooms. Just register and join us for free when we launch this event on September 12th. And now, what I promised you earlier... Our location today is the Vegan Planet restaurant in Cancun, and I want to give a big shout out to my friend Jeremy for bringing us down here. So anyway, you know that we live just down the road in Playa del Carmen right now, and one thing that really surprised me when we arrived here is the amount of vegan food and vegan restaurants that you can find. This one, however, Vegan Planet, is in a category of its own. It was co-founded by executive chef Miguel Batista, who started his career in the hotel industry, working for Hyatt and Hilton, then doing a stint as the line manager and the end of the seventh ray in California, where he became more familiar with vegan and raw food dishes. And he's been sharing the message of food that is better for people, the animals, and the environment since 2008. Now, I have to tell you, he's got a big celebrity status in Mexico. I mean, the first time I saw him at Tulum Vegan Fest, he probably spent half the day just posing for pictures. But today, we're sitting down at his restaurant in Cancun to talk about his path and experience in the vegan and restaurant industry. So, Miguel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here and uh, for promoting this lifestyle. 
Well, thank you for joining us, and um, well, thank you for actually hosting us here at your restaurant. We're just finishing sipping on your matcha lemonade. I, I think I feel it kind of kicking in right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not used to it, so if, if I sound a bit more jitterish than normal, that's probably it. Yeah, it's probably all the antioxidants they're working on on your body. You you look younger tomorrow. Remember, uh, matcha tea or green tea, the real green tea is the highest antioxidant intake you can get in this planet. Good. Well, I think I'm getting a lot of antioxidants into me right now. So, but, you know, let's, let's kick this off with just a little bit of personal background on you. What exactly was it that shaped your personal and professional path? You know, I started cooking about 25 years ago. I was born in Mexico, in Yucatan, and I grew up in California. So Yucatan, which is pretty much the whole peninsula, or right. Yucatan State? Merida, which is the city. Yeah. You know, it's Yucatan is the peninsula, but Merida is like the main city of the whole peninsula. So I was born there, but I never lived there until I was nine. Mm -hmm. I grew up my first nine years in the States, in California. So I did a mix of learning process from starting to eat pancakes and, you know, traditional American food. When I got here, then I started learning about beans and guacamole. Now I see that as an advantage for me because I've been learning different cultures in different parts of my life. That's my background. Just start, I started cooking when I was around 12. 14, I did a little more cooking. Like professionally or just cooking for, for your family and um, for your own fun? Well, my dad you opened a restaurant when I was 14. But I started cooking with my dad when I was like around 8. And when I turned 14, my dad opened a restaurant and as a family member that was an excuse for me to be near the fire and see if I like what I thought I like. We opened that restaurant, I become one of the cooks for a couple of months. 14, 15 I was a cook, a waiter and promoting the restaurant. The restaurant didn't go well because my dad didn't have any experience in business. But for me it was my first approach to food. After that I stay, you know, with that little spark inside of me that wanted to be a chef. I'm talking about 25 years ago. So after that, I, you know, 14, 15, 16, I started cooking it for my family, doing experiments, dreaming to be in a kitchen, dreaming to be in a cooking school. When I turned 19, I started researching schools in Mexico and there was only one which was really expensive. My family couldn't afford it. So as a person that grew up in the States, you know, I had a chance to study and to be helped from the government from the United States. Financial aid, you know, more opportunities, better kitchens, better teachers, better infrastructure. So I took that advantage for me from my own knowledge. So, and I went back to California and that's when everything started. When I was 19, right now I'm 43. You're 43? I'm 43. You absolutely don't look 43, so I'm guessing you, you drink a lot of this much <laughs> stuff, right? It's physical. It's no magic. I look younger because my digestive system doesn't digest any meat for the past 30 years. So my body doesn't work. It doesn't spend all this energy digesting um, animal fiber or processed food. 30 years, which means basically you were at least vegetarian when you started working with, with your dad. Yeah, I started being vegetarian. These are stories that my mom said that I never wanted to eat meat. And I remember I used to throw the meat away behind the stove when my mom used to you go, go away. I didn't want it. How long did it take her to discover that? 
I think last week I told her, after 25 years, you know, my sister raised her hand. I used to do the same. And my brother, yeah, I used to do the same. We always, nobody wants to eat me when you're a kid. Nobody wants to eat flesh, animal flesh or blood. That's nature. We just, we force our family and they become addicted to all the blood and all the um, additives. You know, the animals, they get injected with antibiotics and drugs, which eventually they'll go through your body and eventually you become addicted. And then eventually you want that blood in your body and you want that fiber and you want that fat and this is just an addiction, right? So, um, yeah, that's where everything started. When I was 19, 1994, I turned 20 and I started my journey in LA Mission College in California. That's where you started your professional path as, as a chef. I started learning, yeah. I just realized that growing my first eight, nine years in the States, it gave me a different view of food and culture. Because when I came to Mexico, when I was around, like I said, eight, nine, I realized that kids, they cook in Mexico. As opposed to, to American kids who just exactly. get stuff served to them. Exactly. They go to a fast food restaurant. And I love the States. I mean, I learned how to walk in the States. I learned my first bicycle, my first skateboard, my first friend, my first girlfriend was in California. So I have a lot of love for California and from the United States. But we can't forget that in a country like Mexico, the kids are helping the mom to cook those beans to make a couple of eggs for the little sister, to take care of the little brother because mom is working. That's the cheapest and the way that we have. We didn't have McDonald's, we don't have Burger King, we don't have all these brands, we don't have fast food brands. Now with a dollar, instead of soaking beans and taking care of the beans for your little brother, what the mom, the mother mom does, I'm talking about the mother mom from 25 years ago when all the fast food industry came. It's easy to give a dollar and the kids will take care of themselves. Mom can keep working or, you know, whatever. So that culture showed me how we are a little bit confused in a country like Mexico, South America, third world country. There's more need for whole foods. And this is what we have, beans, rice, you know, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables. We don't have processed foods. So for me, that was like a key thing that I learned from both cultures, you know, learn the best thing that I can learn from Mexico and the best thing I can learn from the States. How did that feel like professionally, like when you're working in, in a kitchen in, in the States versus a kitchen down here in Mexico? Because I think what you just described is absolutely right and I, I feel it when, when we're shopping here. Yeah. Even if you just go to the supermarket, the food, the, the produce is simply more, it's more natural. You can see there's, I don't know if there's less pesticides used here or whether the way that it's grown is, is different. You know what? It's funny because you go to the States or you go to a first world country and we want to see all the oranges perfect and equal, the same. And we have in our mind that that's, that's healthy, that's clean, that's organic, that should be good for my body. Guess what? Each orange should be different. Go to a market in a third world country like Mexico or South America and you'll find, let's say in a big stack of mangoes, each mango will be different. And that's real food, you know? Non-GMO, organic by nature, because some of the farmers, they don't even have the money for pesticides. Or they just follow different um, techniques from ancestors. And the ancestors used to say, I'm not going to put any chemicals to my food. I'm going to eat that corn. I'm going to eat those beans. I'm going to eat those mangoes. That's what we can find in Mexico in the markets. You see it in Playa del Carmen, Cancun, 
I mean, you go and you have a little stack of mangoes and they're all different. One is rotting, one is okay. I'd rather eat a mango that's rotting on one side so I can know they don't have pesticides or they don't have like anything like chemicals than going to other you know, first world countries and just eat the perfect mango, which doesn't have any flavor. So what does that mean to, to the way that people perceive food? Because I like how you started talking about kids and, and the whole attitude towards food and how early on they, they start helping out their, their parents in the kitchen because I think it just creates a much healthier relationship to, to what you're putting in your body if, if you're involved in the process, if, if you see how it's happening, if you know that these are real ingredients and with that I can create a dish versus to what I'm pretty sure that a lot of American kids are used to is I get this box and I pop it in the microwave yeah. and then after a minute yeah. out comes a dish that, that I can eat or I can just add hot water and, and it's done. That's if you're lucky because that's two ninety nine. Usually they get a dollar for a dollar meal. So if you're lucky, you'll get a microwave meal if your mom takes care of it. But usually a lot of kids, and I see that with my own eyes, a dollar meal and with a dollar each kid can eat, that's kind of sad. Because they don't get any, any nutrient, you know. In Mexico or in any other country, I'm not just want to talk about Mexico. You put a big pot of beans or chickpeas or lentils or brown rice, and you can feed a whole family with, believe me, with even less than a dollar per person. Exactly. So, what what would you say in in light of this is the whole philosophy behind your business right now, or how how did that actually get shaped throughout your your studies and further on as, as you gained your work experience? I see my career as a chef or as a cook. Um, I've been a baker, I've been a pastry chef, I've been a saucier chef. I see that the way I've been growing myself and growing the business as Vegan Planet, as a vegan restaurant, it goes hand by hand with every single business. Vegan restaurants that you open right next to me, people they come and they say it's, it's your competition. It's not my competition. It's somebody else who wants to do something better for the world. And we, if we can support it, we'll support it. The thing we do different in Vegan Planet, we do take care of each ingredient and each cooking technique. I think that's the key that it's, we've been advancing as one of the best restaurants in the world and the number one in the whole country. Because we take care of the ingredients, we take care of the cooking techniques, like we don't use deep fry techniques, we don't use aluminum pans, we don't use Teflon pans, we don't use a can opener. So that's a huge difference for me. That, and the flavor... That's probably a big difference yeah. to, to many restaurants and not just vegan restaurants, but when you get to the point that where you're not even using canned food, yeah. you know, and, and that's why I was saying in the intro that I feel that Vegan Planet is kind of in a class of its own by the way that you approach food and, and how you put every single dish together. Correct. I have a saying that I just... Um, Every time I say it, I believe it every time more. A lot of restaurants, a lot of business, vegan or non-vegan, they want to make a profit. We all want to make a profit. We all need tokens to keep playing this game, which is called life. I call them tokens. A lot of people, they want to make tokens. Me too. You too. Everybody, we need those tokens to keep living. The thing is, a lot of the restaurants, they want to make a lot of tokens. Instead of making 10 tokens a month, I'd rather make 8 tokens a month and be proud of my food and be proud 
of what I give into kids to sick people. You know what? I'm not giving you any deep fried food. I'm not going to give you any processed food. I'm not opening cans. I'd rather make a little bit less profit but give you the best quality because in the long run, your health will talk to you and you'll be like, I feel great. My digestion's great. I don't, I'm not bloated. I have energy. Where did I eat? I ate at Vegan Planet. Since we're talking about tokens or, or money or yeah. what have you, um, what do you think of the whole perception that vegan food or organic and healthy food is generally more expensive? Because obviously there are a lot of organic and vegan restaurants that do play along into this stereotype very well. But if you're doing food the way that you're describing right now, I don't really see much reason why, why it even should be this way. It's actually way cheaper. The thing, and I'll tell you this from my experience, talking to people, um, doing a lot of consulting, like private chef, and I have a lot of people that want to change, that they want to do like um, become vegans, have a vegan refrigerator, have a vegan pantry, but they don't stop buying certain things in a regular basis. Like for example, if I'm becoming vegan, I'm going to go buy my organic tofu, my organic broccoli, my organic bananas. But somebody else in the house is not vegan or I'm not 100% vegan. So I'm going to buy that prosciutto. I'm going to buy that Parmesan cheese. I'm going to buy that chips ahoy or whatever kind of cookie process. I'm going to buy those processed food because I'm still in that line between being vegan or being a, a, having a better uh, eating habits or become 100% natural, plant-based. So because they don't give up certain things, of course your bill is going to be three times more because you're adding the raw, I mean the organic broccoli. But also you're adding that prosciutto or, you know, whatever expenses, caviar or, you know, any expensive food. We don't stop buying that organic wine, that organic beer. We don't stop buying things that we don't need in our body. So it's even not fair for a plant-based diet to put those items in our bill. If you put a bill, just fruit and vegetables, it'll be really cheap. Nuts and seeds, sprouts, legumes, that's really cheap in the world. But one more thing that is happening, it's a lot of vegan processed foods are coming out, and those are expensive. And one more thing, you cannot, you, myself, or anybody can survive and can pay and afford living or eating every day in a restaurant. So that's why people say, like, I want to come to a restaurant, Miguel, every day. I was like, yeah, and for me, great, great business. But how are you going to afford it? Even if I give you a discount, like we have Tuesdays two-for-one pizzas, Wednesday we have burritos two-for-one, Thursday we have a baguettes two-for-one. We have like really good deals for people who want to come every day. But they got to just take care of that themselves, like handling the whole problem or the situation to become a better person in your diet. You got to do it yourself. You can't rely on a restaurant. You can't rely on... Just organic food that is in store process. You gotta either grow your food or just have a diet with a lot of legumes, fruit, and vegetables. And you don't even need the organic tofu. I was just thinking about that the other day that just from the whole caloric energy and nutritional standpoint, I, I don't think that eating out every day ever makes sense. Yeah, never. Even in my own restaurant, I was like, why are you gonna come every day? I mean, You're gonna pay money because we gotta pay employees, we gotta pay gas, we gotta pay air condition. That's why it costs what it costs. It's an experience and we're gonna pay. That's why it's more expensive. But the dish that I can serve here for $10, you can make a whole pot of that same dish for 10 people with $10. 
but that's in your house with your own gas, with your own power, with your own hands, with your own time, and people don't want to do that. So it's even that fair for a plant-based diet to say it's too expensive. No. Take care of the problem or the situation with your own hands. Is that this, this view of the vegan diet or this view of veganism, is this something that you've encountered in, in Mexico as well? Or rather, what's the whole attitude towards veganism in this country? It's kind of a hard question for me because I don't think I'm the right person to ask. I'm going to answer it, but you know why? Because I live plant-based diets since 5 in the morning to like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever I'm working. So I relate every single conversation I have all day long, either WhatsApp or Facebook or message. It's, it's all about veganism, right? But in Mexico, people are taking it the really right way since I got here. We opened, we just turned five years this month um, as a restaurant. And people are taking it the really right way. Nobody has come and say anything or comments. And we've been on TV, radio, and all kinds of media. But people are just thankful and happy because people, they, a lot of people, they come with cancer, with diabetes, with obesity, different disease, and we just give them an opportunity to eat something healthier, you know? So I think how the whole country is taking this plant-based diet, veganism, it's pretty impressive. I don't know if it's Vegan Planet, I don't know if it's the work we've done as a community, Cancun, but it's really, really big business. Not only business, but the community, tourists, locals, sick people, athletes, you know. I'm, I'm just going to ask this off the top of my head, but what's your opinion on, if, if you're comparing the whole situation in the States or, or Europe right now is, is a great example. I, I don't know if you noticed, but um, a week or two ago, the European High Court just decided that plant-based milk substitutes are not allowed to be labeled as, as milk. Right? As milk? As milk, okay. yeah. And this is something that actually hasn't happened in the States. So the whole dairy pride movement is slowly dying, which is good. Yeah. But is, is there big industry pushback in Mexico as well, like from, from the dairy or, or the egg industry or, or the meat industry? against the, the plant-based movement? Um, not against. Actually, something maybe about four years, three years ago, something happened with the milk industry. If you notice, like any milk, Mexican milk, it cannot say milk anymore. I think I've actually noticed that. Yeah. In Spanish, it says producto lácteo. Yeah. yeah. Lactose. Dairy product. Yeah. Basically. But you cannot call it milk. And that's a trick, but that's by law. And that happened about three, four years ago. You're not even allowed to call cow milk milk in, in Mexico yeah. anymore. Do, do you know why that is? It definitely evens out the playing yeah. field, although on, on a different level. But Yeah. I don't know, but I was happy when I saw it. I was like, finally, because this is how people can start noticing. It's almost like a, the tobacco industry, right? Now it says cancer, cancer. It, it produces, causes cancer, like in the label, man. I mean, you're looking at it, you're buying it, and it says it causes cancer if you take this, you know. But sadly, the addiction is hard. That's a different subject. But something similar is happening, you know. They tell the truth, but we're so addicted and we're so sick that we don't see that. Yeah, the other thing that I really noticed down here is that land-based products, well, I wouldn't know about animal-based products because obviously we, we don't buy any, but right. I noticed that most plant-based products that aren't produced, so let's say a can of corn or, or a can of baked beans or, or something like that, the nutritional labeling, not, not just the, the label itself that tells you the values, but 
the label on the front, there's so many of them saying, you know, this is a very good source of iron or protein or, or fiber. And that's a really refreshing change from other places right. where you usually see these kinds of labels on milk cartons or, yeah. or sausages or, or whatever. Yeah. Things, so, that, things that you don't trust. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, now, um, maybe in about 10 years, we're going to laugh at all this because you know our generation is the generation who's taking care of some of the situation. I think that's happening in everywhere, you know, like um, like the labeling thing. There's certain things that you cannot deny. And all even the governments, they're like younger and younger people, and they have different um, set of minds, you know, different, a lot of government, a lot of politicians, they have kids with autism, with AIDS, with cancer, and they take in this diet. So in the long run, everything's gonna be great. Right now we're just looking at the process, but it's it's growing, you know, either the milk or like you said, the industry that it has, um, that it's social protein or fiber or vitamin C. It's good that we've been a little bit more honest, mm-hmm. you know, the industry. So people in general, you're saying they don't have as many misgivings or, or doubts about vegan food. How often are you asked about protein, for instance? That's that's kind of, let yeah. me, let's say that's the benchmark of how, yeah. how people think about vegan food. I don't really get that question anymore, that protein. I do a lot of conferences, cooking demos. I do a lot of workshops. I do tours in Mexico and the States. My classes are usually 60 to 80 people per class. And I usually do three classes, like in a weekend. So you like you, you reach about 240 people per, like, per seminar. And now people attending my classes, I explain the protein intake really easy, you know? Your weight, your height, this, this and that. Certain, certain um, proteins are available, like hemp protein, like brown rice protein, like pea protein, like sacha inchi protein. I start with those, so I give them that like information, and people are like, okay, now I can know that I need 50 grams a day, or if you're bigger and you do exercise, you get another 20% out of those 50 grams. You add another 20% because you do, you know, body mass and you do work and stuff. You work out, so it's a question that I don't really get that much, to be honest. People are going towards antioxidants, enzymes, um, longevity, energy, recovery and regeneration of your body inside. Tonic. I think is good because protein really is one of the least things that you should be worried about, yeah. in my opinion. People don't know it yet. And, you know, not knowing the information, you can make a big mistake. So part of my work, what I do, you know, not only being a, a executive chef of Vegan Planet, also I have my own brand, which I do conferences. Like I said, I teach. And those, that's my goal when I teach, to inform people so they can know their body and they can know, hey, I got protein today, but tomorrow I want to fast. I want just water. Why? Because I feel bloated, because I want to you know, have better skin. I just want to stop my digestive system for one day. So that's kind of like the, the classes that I've been approaching since 2000. So about 17 years ago, I started teaching about protein. Let's, let's talk about that, the whole you know, vegan planet and, and this empire that you're growing with it. How did that get started? Um, like I said, I started teaching classes in Tijuana in the year of 2000. I created my own brand and I was like, somebody's got to teach how to eat vegetarian because I wanted to learn how much protein has chickpeas, right? And I find that in a book. 
you know, and I was like, this is just me. I know there's thousands of people in the world, they need this info. So how did I do it to deliver that information? I'll create a brand and I'll create workshops. And I used to live back in those days, I used to live in Tijuana, so I created this workshop, I invited some flyers, I invited some people, they came, I had my first class, I think 15 students, they were happy, we did a vegetarian class, and from that gave me the, huh, to say, this is the way I can handle and manage this workshops, these classes, this business. After that, um, I started traveling, but for two years, three years, and then I, I had that in my mind, how to set up my classes. So, sorry to interrupt you here, but back in 2000, were you already vegan or were you... Vegetarian. Just vegetarian. vegetarian. I became vegan in 2004. So, being in Tijuana, uh, I was like, you know, I need to develop, I need to deliver this information the whole country. I'll create it, but really nice and really well organized. After that, I went to um, back to school. I finished my school in California, and I always wanted to go back and teach vegetarian and vegan food because I was studying culinary arts, restaurant management, everything. I did my French cuisine, and you know, culinary arts, restaurant management, regular cooking school, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to learn the right way so I can apply that to my own type of cuisine. I graduate, I moved to, from California to New Mexico, and I started working from Don Imus. Don Imus is a celebrity from Fox News in New York, and he used to have a, a camp for kids with terminal cancer in New Mexico. They hired me as an executive chef to cook for kids with terminal cancer, vegan and vegetarian food. That job was only four to five months out of the year. June, July, August, and September, four months. After that, I was living in New Mexico in the Santa Fe, in the mountains, and I was like, I can work June, July, August, September, what did I do? What else I do? Okay, now I wanna have the time to develop my own business and go to Mexico and teach. So I started knocking doors, you know, like organic stores, culinary schools, organic restaurants. I'm talking about 2003, 2004, there was like no vegan restaurants at all in Mexico, in the whole country, and I did my first class again, and 30 people showed up, and I used to do tours, I used to like handle myself or manage myself like it was a, I was a musician. How? Ask for a, a flight ticket, you know, airfare, hotel, and then all the profits, all the entrance will split it with percentage with the person or the company who organized the class and make all the poster, you know, filled up the class, and then people started getting to know me. 20, 25 people, 30, 35 people, 40, 45 people, and then I started going to all these uh, states, Veracruz, Tabasco, uh, Merida, uh, Mexico City, TJ, Oaxaca, all north, uh, Sonora, Sinaloa. I started going to all these places, just knocking doors on the organic stores. Hey, my name is Miguel. I can do a workshop for three hours. I think people need to learn how to use chia seeds or hemp seeds or goji berries or maca root. I can show them. I can teach them the right way, the cooking techniques, and give them some tips. People will get it really interested, so they will hire me. And then suddenly, I did a tour to this part of Mexico, which is South Mexico, because I was doing tours in North Mexico. I decided to come and do a tour just South Mexico, which includes Cancun, Merida, Yucatan, um, uh, Veracruz, Playa del Carmen, and Tulum. 
I develop about 12 classes in about a month. So I will go from one place to another, just teaching, teaching, teaching 40, 50 people per class. People started getting to know me more. There was not a lot of social media back there. There was no Facebook. But you know, there was email, there was phone number, and people are, hey, this guy does this, this guy does that, he, this is the crazy guy who does vegetarian food, this is the crazy guy who just cooks with sprouts and fertilizer and, and nuts and seeds and does the cheesecake raw, and what is raw food? All these questions start popping out in the whole country. They start writing me emails. I keep going, going. When I got to Cancun, I did my class, and my formal partner showed up to that class. She saw, how I did the class for four hours, they start changing from two to three hour class to four to five hour class. People are getting really excited. And at the end of the class, they will ask, okay, now I know protein, now I know hemp seeds. What's next? How do I do this? How do I lose weight? How do I get out of diabetes, out of cancer, uh, inflammation? I mean, all these questions. My former partner, she saw me and she approached me and she's like, I wanna talk to you after the, the workshop. I was like, sure. And she goes, well, I want you to do something with you. I think you have a lot of things to offer. And I think Cancun is a good spot to do something. I was already selling superfoods in New Mexico. I was already teaching in New Mexico, in Santa Fe and Albuquerque. You know, I was doing my classes in, in the States, and then I would come to Mexico. When I started doing my class, I used to sell like one, two pounds of cacao, raw, hemp seeds, because I would teach to people in the States, and they wouldn't even know where to get those superfoods. They Not even... Big stores will sell those superfoods back in those days. So I kind of brought that business. I was like, okay, there's no superfoods in Mexico. Let's make superfood company. That's why the restaurant become, before the restaurant become a vegan planet superfoods. And that started about seven years ago. So it was like a combination of restaurant and superfood store. First, the superfood store. I knew that I need somebody in Mexico who can take care of the business. And I can bring all the theory, all the knowledge and all the uh, superfoods from different countries. That was part of my job. But my former partners, partners that would like take care of the business in, in the country, Mexico, which was where the business was, right? After running the business as a superfood company for two years, we find out the need, let's say I sell you cashews, and you say, okay, I love cashews raw, I can eat them like this, but how did I make a cheesecake? Okay, you come to one of my workshops. I already did, but you know what, I'm lazy. I want to go to a restaurant so I can eat the cheesecake. I basically, I just want the cheesecake. Yeah. yeah. So now we talked about it. It was like, okay, now the need is not the superfoods. We cover that. Now the need is not the conference. We, co we cover that. Now the need is to have a space, even for us, so we can sit down and have a vegan meal that you know that it's not cooked in a pan, that it was just washed, that it had fish before, but it's a vegan pan. It's a vegan cutting board. It's a vegan knife. And that's what I wanted to accomplish. And my partners, too. So after two years running Vegan Planet Superfoods, we, we uh, decided to open Vegan Planet Restaurant. And that was five years ago. So what, what I was getting at before was um, your, your whole transition to veganism, because the impression that I'm getting right now is that it was a super smooth transition for you, like going from vegetarianism to, to being completely vegan. Did, did you even realize that at some point you're not eating dairy and eggs anymore? Or yeah. How did that happen? I actually remember that day because um, I'm a sommelier too. I, I study wines. I work for years in a winery doing wine pairings. And of course, everybody who knows about wines, they need to know about cheese. So one of the things that I, that I noticed is I wasn't even drinking milk my whole life. Never liked milk. 
I wasn't even eating butter because I didn't like butter, but I did like uh, blue cheese for wine pairings and you know, all this weird uh, stinky cheese. It's part of being a chef. And I used to like doing the wine pairings, but that was, I was already vegetarian. And I remember the day that I brought to my house, I was living in California in Topanga Canyon back in those days in the mountains. And I remember I brought two cheeses, a blue cheese, and a London Fog cheese. Really high-end, expensive cheese. I used to work for this nice restaurant, super expensive. And I brought those two cheeses, and I remember that I ate them, and I was like, this is not right for the cows. I didn't even touch the blue cheese. I did taste the London Fog cheese, and I put it away, and that was the day that I became vegan. It's just, I was like, this is not right. I can feel how the cheese stinks because of the milk and all that bacteria, and it's not right for the cows. I'm not worth it, all the pain that cows are suffering, and that was the day that I became vegan. That's interesting how the cheese and the smell of it is kind of connected to, to how I became completely vegan, and I've told that story on the podcast before, uh, but it was essentially, I, I had a pizza with a lot of cheese on it, yeah. and my wife, who's right now laughing at me from across the table, she just looked at me afterwards and said, honey, can you please turn away because you stink. Yeah. You know, it was the, the whole smell of cheese yeah. was so strong that, well, for me, it wasn't really worth it yeah. continuing with, with dairy. And that's what it was doing to, to my relationship. <laughs> you know, that's a funny story because I had that thing with cheese all my life. I just didn't want to accept it. I was like, cheese is supposed to be good. Melt it so it won't stink. You know, I can eat it with pizza with a lot of oregano, a lot of garlic, and I can eat it like something gooey, chewy, you know, elastic, but... I never liked the smell with, you know, like just, they call it raw or fresh cheese. It just smells like something that is in a rotten state. Which essentially is what cheese is. Exactly. But let's not get into that hole. <laughs> I like cooking techniques, you know, so. Cool. So getting back to the restaurant. So that was the reason why, why you chose Cancun is because you got that big business opportunity here. And obviously Cancun at that time, it was already growing up quite a bit. But what's, what are your clients here right now? I mean, what, what's the ratio between tourists and, and locals that, that come here? Because obviously Cancun gets, I, I don't even know how many millions of, of visitors per year. Yeah. Yeah. Four million? I don't know. You know, I really don't know. All I know is that Cancun is one of the main sources of money for the whole country. So how many tourists do, do you get in the restaurant? Oh, to the restaurant, I would say when it's high season, I will say 30% of our clientele are tourists, but 70% is local. That's pretty big. Yeah. We have tourists, like local tourists, and we have foreign people that come from, like you guys, you know? Expats, basically. People who, who live here but aren't Mexican. Or people that are just passing by. And we get all kinds of people, like, you know, our friend Jeremiah, Jeremy. He's Canadian, but he's been here for many years. For me, he's a Canadian who lives in Mexico, but he's local. It's a whole combination. There's tourists, they come just, they pass through, but they're still a tourist. You know, and there's tourists, Mexicans, they live 12 hours from here, they're still tourists, but local tourists. So it's kind of hard to recognize what percentage, because I go to a table and I'm speaking with Jeremy in English, he's Canadian, but he lives here. I turn to a table and I'm speaking Spanish to somebody who lives four hours from here, but never been to a restaurant, so he's a tourist. So. It's kind of hard to like eyeball it or to like um, just to say this percentage, but it's a huge percentage local national people. People would think, oh, you only customer are tourists. No, 
20%, maybe tourists, 30% if we're lucky. And that just supports my impression, the, the impression that I've been getting here since, since we moved to Playa in November, that veganism is actually, it's taking root in this country. Oh, yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah. And, well, obviously, you know, with the name like Vegan Planet, your restaurant is not one of those where where people can walk in and not even realize that, that it's completely plant-based. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely right there in their face. So um, are, are the people eating here, are they mostly vegan or are they just, you know, omnivores who, who like the whole concept or maybe just go meatless once a week? I would say um, there's a lot of vegans, a lot of vegetarians, a lot of um, Buddhists, a lot of yogis, a lot of athletes. It will be unfair to put it in a category because I think Vegan Planet, as many vegan restaurants in the world, we're doing the right thing. They will get this traffic. You'll get athletes. They're not vegans. They just want a better protein. They're tired of whey protein. You'll get Buddhist people. They're not vegans by name. They just need to have no animal products. Then you got people who does exercise and they don't want that extra fat. So it's kind of hard to like put them in different categories because... But if, if I had to talk about a percentage, I would say 30% to 40% are vegans or vegetarians. And 60 or 70% they'll come for the flavor and they'll come for the benefits themselves. We get a lot of dishes that, that you won't even think they're, you're missing meat. For example, we got great guacamole. I'm just being funny. <laughs> it's just guacamole, right? But people, you gotta put a label that it says vegan guacamole, which guacamole is vegan by default. It's, it's also gluten free, eh? Yeah, yeah, and raw. So, and kosher, we can keep going. So, um, what you said about doing things the right way, you know, for, for a vegan restaurant, what are they? If, if we go more general, if someone wants to set up a successful plant-based eatery, okay. what, what are the things that they need to pay attention to? Um, I'm only 43 years old. I'll give you my opinion in my life. I'm sure in five years I'll... Take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> in other words. <laughs> in five years do I'll... You, do you use salt? Salt? Yeah. I do. Okay. So take um, it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I use sea salt. We use Himalayan salt. Just the best. We don't use processed salt. But I think um, just an advice or something that's worked, it's not only having the best ingredients, but and to have a successful uh, business. Don't think about a lot of profit. Abundance and profit will come like every single day. A restaurant business or a plant-based business, you gotta be there. You gotta be on top of, because it's a new thing. And you gotta be out there with your customers explaining what, what is chia seed? How can you get your protein through portobello mushrooms or why you guys don't eat milk or why is such a big thing now against people who eat meat. So we got to be ready to answer those questions. Like I said, maybe right now people are not taking care of the cooking methods, but like I, I repeat, I don't use, we haven't used microwave, deep fryer, we don't have a can opener, we don't do anything processed. We do everything in the premises. We have our own bakery. We do, you know, the best we can do with raw cheeses. We have a full raw menu. I think if you, you're honest from your heart and you give people what you really want for their own benefit, not for you, abundance and money and business will come by itself. Plus, only, we only have 24 hours a day. How much money can you spend in that day? It's not 
worth it, put everything in the bank, invest in your ingredients, invest in your the employees, invest to give them information, and just, I always said, less is more in the kitchen. Not because you're going to buy 10 cans or the most organic, processed food, vegan, it's going to be expensive if you buy something already packaged and put it on the menu. It's going to be really expensive. You're going to have to sell expensive, and people won't come. They will complain. So I think good prices, be honest, be on top of your business. That means as a chef, be there every day. And that's that's what you notice. I, I went and checked out your TripAdvisor page. Right. And there's a lot of people saying that, yeah, the owner, the chef, came out and he talked yeah. to us and he explained how what kind of ingredients they're using here and yeah. all of that. So you you definitely are walking the walk. You know? I love what I do. I spend here every day. Jeremy, our good friend that we have in common, that we met, that's what we met. He can tell you. I know Jeremy for five years. Maybe when I disappear is because I'm in a different country, opening another restaurant, like or in a different state, or doing conferences or classes or touring, doing. But usually I'm here from nine, eight in the morning till ten, eleven at night. That's just me as a chef. Any other French chef that I have, you know, they work the same hours, at least twelve to thirteen hours a day. But you gotta love to do this. You gotta like. You gotta love to like chia seeds and and a cooking method and be the rush, be in the middle of the rush when people are requesting, a, a, you know, another juice or this was wrong or, you know, you got to like that. You got to love that so you can be there all day. Otherwise, it, it becomes a work, a job. Passion needs to be there. Yes. Basically. Care and passion. Care for your customers, which become your friends and try to do the best, the best on ingredients, on cooking methods. Now, if we flip the question around, like... Is there anything in particular that can really bring down a restaurant business? Oh, yeah. Not being in your business, not having a heart, not being like um, honest with your clients, and not having the care for your ingredients and your cooking methods. It's, it's all about the ingredients, the care, and for your customers, it's energy. Energy travels. Energy travels. That's why Vegan Planet gets a lot of people, because we do the best. We're not the best. We just do the best. So I think not taking care of your business and bringing cheap ingredients, that's what it brings you down because in comparison to regular food, people are looking with a microscope in a vegan menu. What it says, what are they going to offer me? Mm-hmm. Is it really avocado? Is it really organic beans? So we got to be on top of that. And to develop, to bring that to the table, you got to be honest. If you're not honest, you can make money for a year or two. And then people will judge you. People will find you. People will, with the social media, they'll they'll catch on you. But look at the bright side. If you do the right thing, which is totally the opposite of what we talk right now, you'll do great. How do you deal with pest control? Pest control? We were talking about that earlier, but I just thought it was a really good question because obviously restaurant, a lot of food around climate like here, you're going to have bugs and, and rodents yes. trying to, to get at it. So how do you deal with that while, while being a vegan restaurant? Well, first of all, I think um, it's an advantage that we don't have like blood dripping in the refrigerators. We don't have eggshells broken and dripping the egg himself, which is that salmonella. And we don't have rotting meat. That attracts a lot of animals and bugs. If you don't have that, you got something. You already win a little bit, right? We don't kill rodents or insects we control since day one 
we use uh, edible, um, like a little powder. And then what they do, they just put it every month outside the kitchens around the restaurant. Instead of killing, what we did for the first day, which is five years ago, we controlled since day one. If you start killing and not controlling, then you have a, you know, your house or your, your business, in this case a restaurant, will be infested. So what we put, we put just a line of uh, this organic um, powder that we use, but it's not, it's something that will keep roaches, mice away. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the cleanliness of your kitchen every single day. We clean every single day for five years. We throw water, we wash the floor every single night. We do that in the morning, we do that at night twice a day for five years. There is no excuse for a cockroach to come. There's nothing to eat at night. Everything's in the refrigerator, there's no little you know thing. So that's what we have to do also because cockroaches and mice, they're part of us, they're part of the universe. It's unfair to kill them. We just gotta guide them that this is not their place. But if you leave a mess, a sandwich or a piece of bread... You're basically inviting them. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. So that's, you know, 12 to 13 hours per day, but obviously you have other business activities along this restaurant. Yes, a lot more. What are they? How does everything tie together with, with Vegan Planet? Because I started way before Vegan Planet, all this process, like we've been talking. I'm an ambassador for Humane Society International. I represent Humane Society for Latin America. Um, also, I have my YouTube channel, which I, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what I do um, as a blogger, YouTuber, whatever you want to call it. I'm a chef, but I, I bring video recipes and advices. Um, I do conferences, I do classes, workshops in the country, in Mexico and other countries, United States. I'm also, I, I'm an ambassador for different brands that they sponsor me. They're in the health industry, it could be alkaline water, it could be organic food, it could be uh, chef uniforms, with sponsorship that help me to get to the next place, which is in the benefit of plant-based diet and knowledge of plant-based. So YouTube channel, my own social media, my own workshop, I have my own brand, developing my own brand of organic raw products, which is like Shilajit or Ayurvedic. Um, I'm selling through my website different products, super herbs, superfoods that I do believe that I consume, that I recommend, like chaga mushroom, like reishi mushroom. Um, I'm working with Mushroom Scientist brand. I'm working with Pure Black, which is a brand of Shilajit, the most, the number one in the world. And that's part of what I do. The restaurant is just one thing, but actually I get busier with my workshops because I do a lot of workshops. I have the full next six months pretty much booked. Like I'm doing six festivals more. I already did like four this year. I'm doing another six festivals, vegan festivals through the country and the states. I'm doing also consulting for five diamond hotels in Puerto Vallarta in the states and... Tulum and Cancun. And is that consulting for for vegan dishes? Oh yeah, everything. I, I don't touch any more meat, I don't touch any fish, I don't cook it, I don't recommend it. Same as my knives, they don't touch meat. I already did that for many years, so now I just do vegan. Um, and I do, like I said, the consultant. I do a lot of the wellness uh, festivals they do in the hotels now. Every month there's a wellness, you know, October, November, July. And there's, these are hotel, five diamond hotels. So, you know, I do the hotels, I do the restaurant, I do my own superfood company, Vegan Planet Superfoods. 
you know, YouTube channel. I'm sure I'm missing something. Did, did you ever have a TV show as well? Uh, yeah. You know this? Uh, or did Jeremy tell me? I figured, it? like, just the first time I saw you at Tulum Vegan Fest, yeah. I, I figured that, okay, this guy was probably on national TV, like, every evening for, for at least five years because everyone knows him, everyone wants a picture with him. I just, I just have a lot of friends. I'm thankful for all my friends, um, but I wasn't on TV. Um, I'm actually on a TV show right now. I did, I don't remember now, 10 or 12 episodes, which there uh, last year in Mexico City for this number one TV station. Um, and now they repeating those shows Saturday and Sunday. So every Saturday and Sunday you can find me in... I, to be honest, I don't remember the channel, but but because it is important for me, but there's so many things going on. But yeah, every Saturday and Sunday they'll find me. And, but that's how people got to know me, a lot of people, but not the people that you saw last year. The people you saw last year, I can, I can actually say that most of them, they're my friends. Even they want a picture or they want an autograph or they want to, you know, they're my friends, but they're all my friends or people that I know, they're really happy and really happy for me. Because they know I've been working really hard and developing brands and just doing it from my heart. People who really knows me, they they know. But they know me because, like I said, I've been working a lot of hours and I invest my time, my money, my heart. And yeah, I didn't even realize now that you said it. But yeah, I, I did spend like most like half a day. You, you, you did. You did. Yeah, so where is this whole thing going? Like what, what does the future hold for, for Vegan Planet? Well, the future, um, it's right now. I'm with you right now, right? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What I do know, it's what I want to do tomorrow. I want to, I'm developing another brand of vegan fine dining restaurants, and I'm developing different brands of different vegan restaurants to sell as concepts, like Italian restaurant, Mexican restaurant, Japanese, Mongolian food, Chinese food, Arabic food, each restaurant with their own. That's the future. Because now we go to a restaurant, like even my restaurant, Vegan Plan, you can find a pizza, you can find a burrito, you can find pasta, Mexican, Italian, even French dishes, you know. Um, and then you find fermented food and, you know, kombuchas and sauerkraut. It's fine for 2017. It, that's what we need. But in a couple of years, we were going to be able to say, let's go to this Mexican restaurant, not even call it vegan. Weird it's gonna be when you have me in a restaurant, you know? Like, let's go to that steak restaurant. Yeah, and it'll probably, you'll probably be in jail if you eat meat in the future, <laughs> I hope. But going back to your question, also Vegan Plants growing, so we, um, we're selling franchises. We just start, we might open our first one in Monterrey, and we're selling now, after five years, we're ready to launch and sell the franchise, and that's a huge also a huge thing but I'm I really like super herbs I'm studying Chinese medicine I can't say I'm an expert because I just start maybe seven years ago studying and I studied so a lot you started seven years ago but you're not an expert yet no I'm not even there I know uh, I don't know if you know dragon herbs or Ron T Garden Ron is a friend of mine and he's like number one in super herbs um, Chinese medicine and for me that's part of the future also they study more the herbs, and I study Mayan herbs also, like um, Aztec herbs. Now I study Ayurvedic, now I'm studying Chinese, which is the basic of everything. And um, in my future, personal future, I just want to be an expert in Chinese medicine and keep working what I do. Also, I do a lot of festivals. I do a lot of competitions. I already did five competitions this year. 
uh, in the States and Mexico, vegan competitions. And I'm like um, competing like against like high-end chefs and, you know, and we'll be doing great. So if, if we just kind of expand this question and look a bit further into the future, apart from not being even able to find meat in a restaurant, what, what kind of future do you see in, let's say, 10 to 20 years if this snowball keeps on growing? The, the, we're gonna be more um, specific in foods. People are gonna come, like our kids. They're gonna be. It's not that I don't want meat. It's not meat. It's not right for my body. So they're gonna. We're gonna start working with high frequency foods. We're gonna start working with high frequency, like in colors. What what like orange color? What it means orange? Like carrots and sweet potatoes and turmeric and lucuma. Those are all oranges colors. Those are good for inflammation. So we're gonna start going to these restaurants. They're gonna be like pharmacies. We kind of do it in Vegan Planet a little. They come and they say, hey, chef, I have, um, I'm bloated. Okay, you don't need to be in my restaurant. You don't need to eat. You go to your house and fast for one day. You'll be fine tomorrow, which it's kind of weird because they come to eat, right? But I do that, and people know me. They, I do that. I'm, on a, I'm honest. Now, if somebody comes and said, I'm anemic, what can I do? Okay, you sit down, and you're going to eat this, 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 and you're going to eat this, spirulina with coconut water or mesquite powder for anemia, and, you know. So we, I think that's where the future is going with vegan. They're going to become more like pharmacies and more, they're going to have, like, people or staff. They're going to be really trained so they can give a, uh, some recommended dish with somebody who's diabetic or somebody who has AIDS or somebody who has cancer. They're going to be trained so they can not doctor but just say you need fiber you need to go to the bathroom eat chia seeds eat flaxseed or eat this cookie with oatmeal you know that will help you to go to the bathroom really a question like that you know we should be all helping each other i really like that concept like functional healthy food oh yeah exactly what it's you coming at, at a given moment it's coming and i got a lot of surprises for you you'll see it's coming people are gonna be like what are you really serving deep fried food people are gonna start asking those questions and a lot of chefs, they don't know what to do because guess what? A lot of their crispy food and crispy this and crispy that, they just put it on the fryer. I'm sorry. I say hi to all my chef friends and I hope they're listening. But they know me. Deep fried food is not good for you. It's not good for your veins. It's not good for your blood. It causes a lot of disease. So let's keep cooking healthier, guys. Okay, so final question. People probably want to know this really 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 right now where can they find out more about you where can well obviously they can visit vegan planet here in cancun but where can they meet you what what festivals are you going to be at next i'm going to be um let me see they can find me on any of my uh, social media you know we have um i have my my fun page you can find me as chef miguel bautista which is B-A-U-T-I-S-T-A, not Batista, it's B-A-U-T-I-S-T-A, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and also they can find me at the restaurants, Vegan Planet Superfoods in Cancun, we have another restaurant in Mexico City, which is Vegan Planet La Roma Norte, uh, my email, uh, veganchef at gmail.com with three N's, so it's V-E-G-A-N-N-N, um, at uh, chef at gmail.com, and... The festivals that I'm going to be a lot, they're in Mexico. I'm going to be in Acapulco, in Guadalajara, TJ, San Diego. I'm going to be in Texas again. I'm not sure the date. I'm going to be in Curaçao, 
um, this island. Do, do you have like a calendar? They can find on my website. It's uh, www.veganchefmiguelbautista.com. And obviously, when this episode comes out in, in two days, the Tulum Vegan Fest is going to be happening. So if anyone's around, Playa del Carmen or Cancun, just coming down and you can meet Chef Miguel in, in person there as well, right? Yes, please come. Um, it's a really great festival. One of the biggest festivals in the country. I think it's the biggest in the whole country. And it's going to be really fun. I'm going to be there all three days. We're going to have a, a stand with food, with Vegan Planet uh, food. And I do all three different talks. So I'll be talking all three days. You can find me on the, the venue. And it's going to be really fun. A lot of food, a lot of people. They come all over. It's the perfect excuse to come to Tulum, to be honest, you know? Yes. <laughs> beautiful environment. Really nice place. Great vibes. July 14, 15, and 16, guys. Perfect. So I'll, I'll be seeing you there as well. Yes, please. Right now, thank you very much for, for joining me for this show. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the effort. And thank you for doing this for the community and the planet. Catch you at the festival, Miguel. We'll be there eating a lot of vegan burgers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So from Cancun, Mexico, this was Chef Miguel Bautista of Vegan Planet on episode 35 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. Like I told you before, it's an awesome spot. We had a huge dinner with him after we finished recording this interview, and the food is simply phenomenal. All plant-based, of course, all prepared from scratch. So if you're visiting Cancun, there's a lot more to it than just spring breaks and beaches and resorts. I will be putting the directions to the restaurant in the show notes. And of course, as always, you can find the links to all the things we discussed with my guest if you go to theplantbasedentrepreneur.com forward slash show forward slash episode 035. And if you happen to be anywhere near in the next few days after this episode comes out, make sure you come visit the Tulum Vegan Fest. So that's July 14th until the 16th. It's a great location. Their speaker lineup is amazing. They've got more English speakers this time around for guests from other countries. And it's also a chance to come meet Chef Miguel and try his food. But if you can't make it, I'll be posting updates from it on my Instagram channel. So find me on Jerry underscore Saver. That's S-E-V-E-R. And if there's anything else that you'd like to know about the things we talk about on the podcast, if you have any suggestions, or if you want to know more about the Plant-Based Business Week, reach out by email on jerry at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com. That'll be all for today. I'll be back with another interview next week. Until then, remember to check out plantbasedbusinessweek.com, register for the summit, stay amazing, and keep creating a plant-based future. Thank you.